Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right, and welcome again to another exciting episode of the Health and Wealth Power Hour. I am your host, Harlan Pickett. Boy, I'll tell you, we are in for a good one today. Have you guys heard of the Lasso app? Hmm, if you haven't, you're in for a surprise because there are a lot of things you can access through that app that you may not have known about. Not only that, we're going to touch on a number of issues surrounding the healthcare world that I'm sure you're going to be interested in. We're going to solve all the world's problems in the next 30 to 45 minutes. You're certainly going to want to stay tuned. You guys probably know Mr. David Balot. David has been a guest both on the Health and Well Power Hour radio show and on the podcast before. David, welcome back. I appreciate you being here today. And Mr. Tim Caulfield, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, you have also were a guest on the radio show back in the good old days whenever <laughs> I was there on KCD 700 in beautiful Houston, Texas. I appreciate you joining with us today. We got a lot to talk about. So, gentlemen, let's jump right in. Tell me a little bit first, Tim, about the Lasso app and some of the changes, little tweaks that have been made since that app was rolled out. Sure thing, Harlan. Thank you so much. Appreciate being here today, especially with you and David. Uh, leading minds on this stuff. And and uh, I, I came on board with Lasso about four years ago. Dr. Mazzani, a local nephrologist in San Antonio, this is his vision uh, from all of his years as not only a doctor, but treating chronic disease, which is a lot of times due to care deferment, seeing people turned away for lack of resources, um, but also too, as an employer himself and, and uh, um, you know, paying for healthcare benefits, He's seen, and as a practicing physician, he's seen all sides of the problems with the medical system. And it, it all kind of ties back to the, this insurance complex that sits in the middle of it. So the idea from the very beginning with Lasso is pretty simple. No gatekeepers. You have a provider, a doctor, and a, a nurse, a dentist, a wellness provider, and you've got a person. And everything else in our life has a clear price and a direct relationship with the provider uh, healthcare is the only thing where we don't. So his vision was to simply connect providers and patients in an open, transparent, and convenient way, a way that we're used to purchasing other things. So Harlan, back when we talked, the first version of the Lasso app was pretty simple. It was like an Uber for MRIs, tooth, uh, tooth extractions, any, almost anything you needed, but the keys were always had to have a transparent price. The appointment times had to be in the app itself. So you book it just like an open table or, or like I said, an Uber. And then finally, access that you couldn't 
be a specialist and require a referral. If I want to go see an orthopedic surgeon, I just book with an orthopedic surgeon. So, so that was the idea behind the, uh, the original Lasso app. And, and Harlan, when we met, we talked about that. And uh, since then, though, we built that app and we got a nice, uh, nice uh, uh, engagement in San Antonio. Uh, ultimately, Walmart saw the app at a conference last year. They called us late summer, wanted to get together and do something. So what we did is create a new mode of, again, with the same three pillars of convenience, access and transparency, we worked with Walmart to put together a 24-7, 365 telehealth solution around urgent care, primary care, and uh, behavioral health with their 50-state solution. What's different about last was we went ahead and did it, what we call the Netflix of healthcare, which is we, we put a fixed monthly membership price on it, unlimited consumption of it. So you never had to worry about surprise bills. You never had to worry about calling to schedule. Uh, and then finally, our latest thing that we that's changed with Lasso is uh, to to one of David's favorite subjects to really go on is is the cost of RX. And so what we've done is something, again, a little bit different, but staying with our core principles of either fixed cost or self-pay. We have a new product called Lasso RX Zero. You pay one monthly price. You have access to over 600 medications delivered for free to your door, uh, 30, 60, 90-day supplies. Uh, you just pay that one price per month, and we're seeing a great response on it so far. So we are still building, but the mission and the pillars stay the same, convenient, transparency, and access. Yeah. Wow, that, that is amazing. And I know that you remember this, but in that first iteration of that Lasso app, uh, that is the process we used to get my daughter's wisdom teeth extracted. Uh, yeah. we, we found the exact price, right? We paid for it directly through the app. We had everything done. It covered the visit before, the actual extraction, and afterwards. And what's interesting about that is since that happened, since we went through that process, I cannot tell you how many times I've had clients or people that just know me reach out and say, hey, what's that thing you did with your daughter's teeth thing? Because I'm trying to get a price on my kid's wisdom teeth, and I'm getting everything in the world. But nobody's ever told me it was going to be what the price was that you paid that included everything. And I thought that was very interesting because I've told that story enough times that people now know there's a different way. Uh, and what's interesting, Tim, I want to point one more thing out yeah. on this. This is it. Most of these people have dental insurance. They have dental insurance and still don't know how much it's going to be. And typically it's going to be more if they use their insurance than it was if they just pay out of pocket. That's right. That, you, no that. different than health insurance, right? Crazy. That's right. You had that same experience of going through all this stuff with your teeth cleaning. You go into a business manager's office like you're at a car dealership and they've got 20 procedures in front of you. And what do you do every time? I'll call and schedule it. Right. I mean, that that's that's the key. And I, I actually went to the same surgeon to have two wisdom teeth extracted. And, you know, you're absolutely right. It was a wonderful thing. But my remembering, listen, uh, the key point I want to make here, too, is what I remember from that exchange, Arlen, that I still tell the story about was that you <laughs> you made a comment about I thought I was going to walk into the back of a 7-Eleven right? <laughs> because of the price. And you were like, oh, my God, this guy is amazing surgery center. Like, it's crazy. You know, and, and you're absolutely right. But that is what happens when you remove the gatekeepers. You get quality service. The, the physician's making the money he wants to make. You're paying what he said he was going to charge you. 
And it's amazingly so regular and normal a feeling. It feels good. Uh, but we never get that in healthcare. You know, I've got I've got a quick story just to, to piggyback on that. I was helping some folks. I get a lot of phone calls about David. What do I do? How do I how do I know how much this is going to cost? And there was somebody who needed to get cataract surgery for her husband. And I said, well, let me let me make some calls. And there was somebody in San Antonio. And I said, hey, uh, this and, and they're a, they're a direct specialist. So they only do cash. Everything is transparent. They post all the prices. They gave me their prices. I went back to. Um, uh, the, the person who reached out to me and I told her what the price was. And she says, you do know he needs to have both eyes done. <laughs> I said that's for both eyes. They, they drove to San Antonio to get it done because it was going to be way cheaper. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, It is a, it's amazing still to this day because of the way that our system has gone, our healthcare system. And you know, y'all know the forces, the, the cartel and all the evil forces that have pushed prices the way that they are and the the collusion, because that's really what it is, uh, between the different major forces out there, between hospitals and insurance companies and some doctors groups, let's be honest, some doctors groups are complicit in this as, as well. Uh, I'm not saying your everyday doctor is, but there's groups out there that say they are representing the physician. When I talk to physicians, they say, well, not this one. I don't know which ones are representing, but they're not representing me as a physician because this is not the direction I would want to go. And you have the lobby that's out there that's pushing all of these things. And we keep having people, and David, I know you can speak to this. We keep having people say, oh, but the government's going to fix it. Don't hold your breath, folks. But here what, here's what will fix it. There's only one thing that will really fix it, and that is a true free market where cash is still king. And you help determine what is a fair market price by what you're willing to pay and only working with the folks that will are willing to give you that price, willing to work with you. That is the only thing that's really going to fix it, because that's what happened to begin with, is people got their Blue Cross United whatever card and thought it was an unlimited Hard. And that's really what has happened because the employer just kept paying and paying and paying. And now we're all stuck in this system when no one understands why. Well, can we let me let me uh, let me ask a favor of, of, of you gentlemen and anybody who might be listening to this. Let's stop talking about the fair markets. Let's stop using that term. Rather, let's just say what's going to fix healthcare is people and employers looking to get the best price for the service that they need. Uh, because when when you start talking about a fair a free market or a fair market, it, it, it's for some reason just goes right over somebody most people's heads. And so let, let's just let's break it down and, and bring it to the most um, palatable uh, kind of understanding, and which is, I need you know a teeth cleaning, I need a colonoscopy, I need you know this that or the other. And where am I going to go to find the prices? How am I going to know that this doctor is going to give me the service that I need that's going to help me achieve the outcomes that I want? And how am I not going to go bankrupt doing it? So it really, if we can talk in those terms, I think we can we can reach more people. Now, absolutely, the government, I, I would challenge anybody, tell me, what has government fixed? What has government done for us that's been efficient and effective? Very little. No. Um yeah, what we need to to look to is ourselves, mm -hmm. people, employers. That's who's going to fix healthcare. If we keep giving it up to 
governments, whether state or, or federal. Uh, it's, it's our own fault and we deserve what we get. I agree. They already fixed it, is my always my response. Uh, Harlan, they already fixed it. It's federal yeah. law now. It's not going anywhere. Uh, it survived the Supreme Court a couple of times. I, I did hear something interesting, and just for perspective, um, you know, I was out in West Texas, and uh, you know, one of my one of my good friends out there, uh, one of my original business partners, his brother is uh, heavy deep into telecom lobby in Washington. So he spends half his time in D.C., half of it in Austin. Well, uh, he was telling me that uh, one of the guys he works with now is former healthcare lobbyist. A couple of interesting things that he said, because he was around in uh, 08, 07, 08 in D.C. One of the things he said was a couple, couple of interesting things I think people need to hear, Harlan, so they understand exactly the playing field that we're on. That there were 32 lobbyists for every representative in the House of Representatives. And that, and this was the most interesting one. And David, you, you may challenge or even, even question it. I'd ask everybody to think about it, though, is that this was a Faustian bargain between the Obama administration that wanted single payer health care because they were pushing it. Everybody's pushing it. That's why they elected him. And the insurance company said, in order to stop you from doing that, we'll agree to limiting our profits publicly. And that we can write that right into federal law if you'll allow us to keep this system that is doing. And that is the result of everything since that day, I think, bears out the way we see premiums go up every year and everything else. <clears throat> so I don't know if that's a oversimplification of what happened, but it sounds really plausible, uh, given more that we learn about <laughs> How many years later that we finally read the act, right? You know, we'll read yeah. it after we pass it, right? Well, there's a reason for all that. Not, I, it's not to be a conspiracy theorist. Interests protect their interests. And that's exactly what happened there. And the people didn't really have a voice. So. No, that absolutely happens. And it's not just, you know, under Obama, you look at what happened under W. Bush in 2003, the Medicare Optimization Act. You mentioned uh, the price of drugs. In order to get Part D passed, um, the PBMs received that safe harbor from the anti-kickback statute. That's how they were able to to you know have that business model akin to the to the mafia. So yeah, there's always these kinds of deals that that exist. The hospitals in in Obamacare as well. They got a, a sweetheart deal as well because they were able to get a moratorium on physician-owned hospitals as long as they would support Obamacare. So yeah, that that that's that's no surprise. That happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, back to speak to that. It, it's been long enough now that a lot of folks forget that whenever it was first put out there, Obamacare was first put out there. I know you guys remember this. All the big insurance companies were against it, right? I mean, they were all against it. They were absolutely, no, this is not a good thing. Well, think about that logically for a second. Why would they be against it? You're fixing to have a law that mandates people have to buy your product, right? They They have to buy it. So you should be for that, but they weren't. So there was something else going on. To speak to what you were talking about, Tim, to speak kind of what you were talking about, there was something else going on there. there you know, what's behind the curtain that's keeping them from wanting this? Right. But all of a sudden, there's some back room meetings. There's a little exchange of this and that. And all of a sudden, everyone's buddies again. And now the biggest proponents of Obamacare are the insurance companies. So anyone that doesn't believe these backdoor deals happen, 
you're you're hiding your head in the sand because they do. Um, and and David, I, I'm so much of a I believe all this stuff is kind of crazy. And I know you're a former hospital administrator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to throw this out there and you tell me if it's really this crazy. All right. But it seems like every year, one of the big insurance companies here in Texas, it's usually Blue Cross, gets mad at a hospital system and says, no, or the hospital system gets mad at Blue Cross. Right. So anyway, we don't like each other. Not only we not like each other, I'm not working with you anymore. And I'm going to put a big billboard up saying that I don't like you anymore and you're being unreasonable. And so we're not going to be partners anymore or friends and don't, you can't go here anymore. And we're not covering that anymore. And they're being evil. And then about three months later, there's new billboards that say, we're back in the blue cross network. We're all friends again. Welcome back to this location, whatever. Well, my thought is the entire time, upper part of the insurance company and their part of the hospital system are sitting there laughing and yucking it up the whole time because it's all part of the dog and pony show that they do to blame one another and make the public think that they're actually out on your side, that it was never anything to begin with. Everyone knew what the end was going to be. It was all just part of a big facade. Am I completely off? I I think it's a legitimate squabble. I mean, I think the best way to look at it is, is uh you look at uh siblings <clears throat> they go at it they fight they argue it's it's a fisticuffs um and it's it's okay so long as they're fighting but don't mess with family <laughs> don't mess with family hey and it's no different than uh you know democrats and republicans in washington man they they put on the show that they're fighting but don't mess with the appropriations or the <laughs> Or any of those things, right? That's why why they call it the Uniparty. It was kind of like reminding me of the old Charlie Brown football game on Thanksgiving where it's just a rumble. (laughs) It never quite crosses the goal line, right? Whether it's a (laughs) or guns. They never quite cross the goal line. They just look like they're fighting a whole bunch. But in reality, they're all making money the same way. And I, I just, I think that that's another example of that. You put on the public show or fighters leading up to a, a bout saying personal things about each other and hugging after the fight. It's all the same right. stuff. Yeah. You want to get, <laughs> you want to get Republicans and Democrats to be on the same side real quick. You talk about campaign finance reform, you talk about term limits and you talk about insider trading or getting <laughs> your funds. Yeah. Anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it seems to me also like every single time. I mean, David, I know you saw this personally uh, here in Texas as well, that there seems to be each time there's a session, there's some flavor of the month. There's some flavor that this is what we got to fix this time. Sometimes it gets done, something gets done, right? Something. Uh, But usually it's a watered down version of whatever. But I think too often things are thrown in on something that may have been a good thing that make it not so good or things are stripped out to do the exact same thing. So it's not going to have the big impact. There are certainly some things that turn into law that are very positive. There's no doubt about that. I know that you were instrumental in some of those things that happened in Texas in this last session. But at the end of the day, we keep moving things in such a small little way that it goes back to what you said earlier, and that it's going to take us. It's going to take employers and it's going to take individuals to get out there and make the, the big move. 
And employers have got to be the focus. And quite honestly, the reason why is because more Americans get their health insurance through their employer than any other way. And I know this sounds crazy, guys, but I'm going to tell you, the way that we make this work is we only have to, to, to convince the employer. And then no. the employer makes the kind of the decision and pushes the employees that direction, whether they want to go there or not. And that's a that sounds crazy and it sounds like it's heavy handed because yeah. it kind of is. It, but it's, it's 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 really one of those crazy things where it's it's the only way we're going to move it. And once people actually have a taste of what is possible in a health plan that is designed for them, they'll never want to go back. It's yeah. <laughs> we've got the market data to back that up, actually. Uh, you know, back in 2016, three years before I even joined, Dr. Mazzani, uh, did, he hired a company out of Austin called Mutual Mobile to do six months of market research on they focus grouped uninsured people, nine to fivers, executives, doctors, insurance agents. They focus grouped all these people about the idea for this app. The funniest story I can tell you is the final result was they told him, do not build this app. For all its great promise and mission, don't build it. Why did they tell them not to build it? They said 80% of this country will not even listen to you when you say the word healthcare. Because they have abdicated that, you know, one-fifth of our GDP and a whole bunch of their personal finance. They've abdicated that completely to their employer, but it's a matter of survival. And uh, the, the really critical data point that came out of that harlan that the, the almost to a person that 80 percent of people in society that you're talking about to get their employer sponsored health care when when they were asked what do you know about health care what they said was i get an email every fall from hr i click a link i flick seven or eight buttons and then i get a plastic card i put it in my pocket and i take it out when i get sick that is why, to David's point earlier, that is why this country's in the situation it's in with our health cost of health care and outcomes is because of that right there. People have completely di divested from their health because of the system that we have. Um, yeah, and it really doesn't matter what size a company either. You would think that a big, large company that we know is going to be in the self-funded uh, realm. And I happened to have a conversation yesterday with a young lady that works for one of the largest, I mean, we're talking about a top 50 company here in the country. And she said her, their health plan is just so disappointing. She's, you know, it's, she's, I, I have the same problem that you would think someone that just was on Obamacare would have. It takes me four months to go see a doctor. And she had a procedure done and or was going to have it done. And the procedure is going to cost $100,000. She's a very savvy consumer. She actually found the same procedure for $17,000. Yep. But it was out of network. So she asked the health plan, hey, it's $100,000 here. Can I go here and you'll pay for it out of network? Absolutely not. They would not do it. They would rather pay the $100,000 than they would the 17,000. She said, it's so bad that whenever I heard about this thing here a couple of years ago, I just kind of heard about, there's this deal where you can pay to see a doctor and, and I mean, you pay this membership and then you can go as much as you want and you can usually get the next day appointments. She said, I, I think it's called direct primary care. And she, and I said, you heard of it? She asked me, you heard of it? I said, 
Why, yes. Yes, I have. And she goes, it's the greatest thing ever. So I have to pay for my health insurance, but I don't use it. And whenever I have to use it, I know that it's really not doing the best for me or the company. Right. And I said, do you realize how bad fiduciary that is? I mean, your company's supposed to be that. She goes, and I brought it to their attention. And they still wouldn't do anything about it. And these are large companies. I mean, we're we're talking about, and I mean, I know who their ASO is. By the way, I had to explain to her what ASO means for administrative services only. And she goes, so you mean they're not really my insurance company? I said, no. Your company is so big, they're completely self-funded. All they're doing is managing. They're, you're using their network. They're running your claims. They're doing all those things. She goes, but well, why? Why would they want to pay more? Well, I, I, you, I can tell you what I've heard. And this is what's maddening to me. And I'm sure you've heard the same thing. <clears throat> it's really difficult to recruit and retain uh, employees if you don't have a brand on that plastic card that says Blue Cross, Cigna, Aetna, or United Healthcare. Right. And so Agreed. there's a lot of fear amongst the owners because they don't want to have something shoddy and they're, they're afraid their employees will leave. It's very expensive to have turnover. So what we're dealing with is... And what I say to a lot of employers, it's like, look, it's going to take a little bravery and you're going to have to be involved in the process and you're going to have to educate your staff. It's incredibly important. But what they can do is, is incredible. It's not just insurance. They can introduce products like Lasso. They can do things like direct primary care. They can do things like uh, you know, uh, wellness programs. But they've got to not do things that are off the shelf. They've got to, to tailor them for their specific uh, employee base. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the difficult thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. That, that's a difficult I was just, thing. I was going to say what, what David said is true. And, and, and having been a, a, a three-time entrepreneur myself before Lasso and having employees and growing up to 250 employees at one point, dealing with healthcare every year, you know, to be honest with you, I, 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 uh, uh, I was just as checked out as employees are on it as a business owner. I, I, I know it was coming 10% higher this year. And this was 15 years ago. And I would just say, yeah, that's fine. Just check it out because you just accept it. Um, and, you know, I always have this saying about, but what if Susie gets cancer? And I feel like that's the thing that prevents employers from taking that final leap, you know, talking to people like yourself, Harlan and Allison DePauli and people like that, that do this on a daily basis. It sounds like you get these guys up to the cliff. They can see the savings and everything else. But kind of to David's point, is that safety net there? And I thought that David's, your study, David, from like 2019, the one you did with uh, Democrats and Republicans, they really want the same thing. And where that sits is they want agency, but they want a safety net. And I think that if you can articulate to your point again, David, but if somebody like Harlan can articulate to an employer, here's where it's saving you money on the front end. Here's where you're getting your people to do preventative care, maintenance care. This is what makes it so easy. And yes, by the way, when it gets serious, which is like one or two percent of the time when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to hitting deductibles, when it gets serious, then we have this product here that covers you completely not a dime out of pocket, but here's your overall savings. 
getting them to understand that how all that works in unison to not only get their people to the doctor, which is why we push so hard on this telehealth solution. It's like, guys, it's so easy. Just, just push the button and talk to somebody at least. Um, but getting them from there to the end of the healthcare journey, the, that is how it changes. And when you talk about something else real quick, Harlan, you said, because I'll, I'll key on it. I mentioned the word Uber earlier, talking about Lasso. That's really applicable to healthcare because if you think about taxis back in the day, and I'll just talk about like 2007, 2008, when I was traveling a lot, you know, especially to my New York office, you know, taxis were, you would not get in a car that was not a taxi or you would think twice about it. And that's how people feel about healthcare. They, the focus group said they were afraid to pay cash, that they would lose their coverage. These are employees saying that they're afraid to do anything outside of the network, right? You've got them scared into that. Same with taxis. If you don't take a taxi, your safety's not guaranteed, right? Then you get this company comes along that is, hey, here's a different way, right? But they went beyond that. And what they got rid of was the incrementalism, which is what you're talking about, Arlen. You know, this, this thing that sits, this dark mass that sits in the middle of patients and doctors has such a gravitational pull. If you're trying to do incremental things on the outside of it, you're always going to get pulled back into it, just as you said. So like with Lasso, when it comes to our corporate mission, the way we see ourselves is it needs to be a healthcare system that resides completely outside of that one. And yes, entails an insurance product for when things go horribly wrong. I don't hate insurance. It saved my family two years ago with my wife. I, I always tell people I've got $300,000 of EOBs on my desk at home. God bless health insurance as insurance, <laughs> not as the key to healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a key, right? And, and here, here's the other side. I'm going to contradict you a little bit there, Tim, because there are options now that where you can build it. So let's, let's go back to self-funded plans. A self-funded plan technically is not an insurance plan. Okay. It is self-funded. There may be, depending on the size of your business, there may be one insurance product in there, a stop loss, or uh -huh. maybe you're working with a captive. There could be one, but really the rest of it's just a healthcare supply chain. It's right. putting all of those pieces together to make something feel and work like what our traditional thought of insurance is. The problem is no one knows what's in that box. No one knows what's in that big insurance. The buka box is what we like to call it. No right. one knows what's in the buka box. If you don't know how that health plan works and all the components of it, the healthcare supply chain, as it were, then you're afraid that whoever's helping you put it together doesn't know what they're doing and doesn't know it either. Uh, there's a presentation that I do that opens that box and shows everyone the pieces. And whenever I do that presentation, it's typically for employers or chambers of commerce, thing like that. And I get done and I say, now you know all the components. Go out there and build you a health plan. Good luck to you. And everyone just sits there going, uh, uh, what am I going to do now? Because I see all the pieces, but how do I put it together? And make sure it works. And you have to be able to articulate that. And listen, if you can't articulate that to your employees, though, then you haven't solved any problems because they are still going to have the fear of a surprise bill. No matter. That's what I'm saying. You've got to articulate this. And I'll go back to the Uber analogy. I, I agree with you, Harlan, because. I want companies to adopt the plans you're talking about. 
you know, I really do. I, I always tell them, I try to tell them, it's just the conditioning and leaving the, leaving the nest. Right. It is that hardest part for people. And I think, David, the reason this it triggered that thought of me was what you said about having that brand name on the card, right? Is because, you know, they've already heard the stories with Oscar and all these other ones that tried to do the same thing, got upside down on claims, failed in their delivery and everything else. And that 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 is, to my point, though, why, um, you know, uh, Harlan, when it comes to like articulation and packaging and the way these things are marketed, it has to be so markedly outside of the system or people won't give it a try. And we have to get people, we have to get what you're doing every day. The bigger the company you get into something like this, the greater the sphere of influence. And if you get a Whataburger, if they would just go out and talk about the things that they do to mitigate cost, you know, if they would just go out and talk about that, smaller companies would follow their lead. But until they're ready to go out and talk about those wins, which I would be screaming it from the rooftops, you know, uh, everybody else feels like they're they only have one option in all this. So, you know, the the thing that I love about Lasso, that's one of the reasons I'm proud to be an ambassador for the organization as well, is that they're doing things different. You guys remember uh, Haven, that that joint venture between Amazon and. Um, um, was it Chase and Berkshire Hathaway? Yeah. And they, yeah. created, they created this healthcare organization. What they did is they hired a high-profile high, high, high profile CEO and they started bringing in high-level executives from the insurance companies and the other uh, types of organizations that currently exist. And they got their butts handed to them. Why? Because they were trying to play the same game. Exactly right. They, they, didn't, they didn't fail. They gave up. They cried uncle. Because they could, you know, they were a Bush League team playing, trying to play in the NFL. And they just weren't going to be successful at it. Uh, I, and I, I've often said, can we fix healthcare? Is healthcare something that we can repair? I don't know that we can. And, and I really do believe that. I don't know that it's reparable in fixing what we have today. But I do believe that we should and can. And we're demonstrating it. Mm-hmm. create a, a, a system in parallel that will force this system to compete. Yeah. So Lasso is doing things differently. It's just like it's it's a subscription basis, just like uh, direct primary care, or direct specialty, or direct pharmacy. Uh, they've introduced virtual primary care, teleurgic care, and probably one of my favorite things uh, included in that in that monthly package is is uh, behavioral health therapy. Being able to access a therapist for family counseling, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, homesickness for kids away at college, you name it. It's just being able to talk to somebody. That isn't even covered in insurance today. That's not even an option. Right. So that that's why I, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for this, this product is because it's providing better care at a lower price point, giving incredible access and also giving you services that weren't even covered in the traditional model. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's hit on that for just a second. You brought up the the mental wellness and the me- mental health aspect, and of course, there's this big push out there where plans have to prove that there's parity between their health services and their mental health services, and it has to you have to cover things the exact same way. But regardless of what that summary of benefits says. I think it's pretty clear that plans do not cover things the exact same way. They have not and mm-hmm. still do not. 
And we have seen that over and over, especially because of how things get approved, right? So let's let's remember there's that pre-authorization side that seems to not go through quite as often whenever it is a substance abuse or a behavioral health issue that is part of the plan where it is just a, I need a knee replacement. Well, why? Because my knee is messed up and my doctor said, okay, I need help with my substance abuse issue. Well, why? Because my doctor said I need that. Can't you do outpatient? I mean, what do you really need to go in there for? I mean, come on. Is it really that bad? You know, don't you have someone at home to talk to? It's almost that way. It, it really feels like that whereas the plan has to have parity, that those, and, and I hear it from clients. So I'm not just coming up with this. I hear it from clients saying, why can't I get these things covered? Why can't I get my son in this program? Why can't I get my husband in this program? Why can't I get the help that I need? If I was sick, I could go to the hospital. It's still being sick. I just need to go to a different hospital. Right. And this is across the board. Mm-hmm. We we have a family member that needed to be needed some help. Medicare, the Medicare Advantage plan just denied it. They're like, no, nah, we don't need it. The hospital. We had everything. We had doctors say he needs this treatment. Yeah. Come from every direction. They just plain ass denied it. Said nope. This is where uh why, you know, and you just said a key another key word that we just accept as part of life, which is pre-authorization. David, your your point going back to that, listen, when I talk to people from other countries, they laugh at me and they say, well, that's how we do it anyways. I was talking to a guy in Singapore. You know, you go to the doctor, you go in, you pay him cash, you pick up your meds on the way out. And it's beautiful. But back to the mental health piece. Again, a couple of things about that, Harlan. You're absolutely right. You know, but pre-authorization, that's the word for me. And I'm like, you know, if if... <laughs> If I want to go buy something or see somebody or whatever, why do I need a pre-authorization? Well, because it's based on some big remittance plan and everything else. When all these, you know, there's plenty of providers out there that simply want to help people and provide the service and not worry about billing and remittances and everything else. And, you know, like a lot of the providers on our app, but when it comes to our that behavioral health network, you know, the money is one thing, but just the the stigma and the access, the way we talk about it, when you say, he needs, you know, this person needs to talk to somebody. Well, that's why we offer all these talk therapy services at $0 and unlimited use, because there is a lot that happens, especially since COVID and all the anxiety that's come with it the last few years. There's a lot of mental health between being okay and psychiatry. And, and a lot of times it is just, can I just talk to somebody? And it seems like just like with our physical health, the insurance companies <laughs> almost seem to push for it to become the worst case scenario. Because if I have somebody and I deny them, like your Medicare, denying this person the ability just to talk to somebody about their marital issue, their child, um, anything, their anxiety, their overwhelming anxiety, their imposter syndrome, whatever they've got going on. If that person is denied, 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 and then suddenly they move to drugs and alcohol or something else, well, now you have a, you know, now you have a, a $10,000 a month problem instead of a $40 visit or a $0 visit with a membership, right? And, and that is why we just, you know, our, our difficulty, and I always appreciate David being such a great ambassador because 
our difficulty, Harlan, just back with your, like with your uh, four wisdom tooth extraction with Dr. Havercorn, our biggest challenge, our biggest objection is what's the catch? Yeah. That, that more than anything else prevents people from using our service is simply that they don't believe it can be delivered or, or it'll be less quality care or something. But they are so conditioned by this system that we've had in place since World War II now. They're so conditioned by this system uh, that, that, again, they're just afraid to get in anything but a yellow taxi. So. Yeah, and, and I think that is, you're right. I, I know whenever I talk to folks and talk to them about some of the services that we offer, the partnerships we have with uh, advanced care centers, with direct primary care, and we talk about unlimited access to all these things, virtual care as well. It goes back to what I joked to you about. You, and I said, now, there really, you don't go down this back alley and have to have the secret knock. You know, I like it's, and usually I'll, I'll come up now and I'll joke with people and I say, we, we got rid of all that. We're going to send you a QR code. So when you hold the QR code up to the door, it'll do the read, it'll read it for you and it'll let you in the secret back room, right? I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that way, you know, at least make it a little bit lighter because people do yeah. think that that's what's going to happen. Uh, when you talk about, hey, we're going to have a plan here to where if you choose to go to the center of excellence surgery center and have this done, it's going to be zero cost. Yeah. Mm, no, it's not. I mean, what's what's the catch, right? What's the catch? W when you say center of excellence, what does that mean? Well, I thought the name was kind of clear, but <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's just like you're talking about on the app, right? Well, when you say unlimited, how much do I really get? Um, well, I mean, I thought unlimited described it pretty well, but uh, what else do you want me to tell you? Um, as much as you want, uh, does that that work better for you? That's <laughs> uh, because they've they've been taken advantage of in the traditional system, right? Yes, you can. You know uh, what's this new relationship? I think United Healthcare and Uber. <clears throat> yeah, we'll we'll provide a, a car for you to go to this. Oh, but we won't pre-authorize the service when you're there. Yeah, we won't. There's no prior authorization. Well, it, it, didn't you de, de facto authorize it when you sent me there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you're trying to put logic in healthcare. I got in trouble for talking to a politician one time. Actually, uh, uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton and I said something to him about, um, well, that's not logical. And he says, well, that's your first mistake, Harlan, is you're talking about logic and a politician in the same word. And those two things don't work, buddy. Well, I really believe that that's the same thing in healthcare, right? I mean, if it makes sense, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something completely different. And so that goes what, right to just what you said. Hey, we got this great partnership. We're going to make sure you got transportation, but we're not going to approve the place we sent you to. <laughs> or whatever the services that you had. That's awesome. That's that's a great point there, David. All right, guys, I want to bring up something else. And we talked about this a little bit before the show. And it to me, it's a really big subject because, I, <laughs> interestingly enough, of all the team on Eagle Care, I'm the only male. So we have a bunch of, I have a bunch of females that work for me at Eagle Care. And it still didn't click through my noggin that, Females, actually, women are the biggest part of our uh, uh, workforce now, not just at Eagle Care, but period. 60%, a little over 60% of the American workforce now is actually women. And as we have kind of talked through this with various other people, I was uh, happened to be on 
I was at Health Benefits Nation here a couple, two or three weeks ago in Houston, and I was on a panel where we talked about women's health. And what they really were going to focus on was lactation and the, the, the opportunities women have now for uh, the help at their workplace and all for lactation support and that it's actually built into the Affordable Care Act that they get this, this type of support. But it took a quick left turn in the conversation where the, the women that were on at this roundtable said, you know, I understand that that may be a problem. But where I work, most of us are a little bit past that childbearing age. And so that's not as big an issue. What is a huge issue is dealing with menopause. And the more women I have talked to about this, it's overwhelmingly the number one subject they want to talk about as far as not really having access to the different services to help support that and not having the understanding of what all that it can entail, both from their employer and even from their family. So it goes right back to some of those mental wellness issues that's just part of that wrapped around, but they don't even have a place to go and someone to talk to. Um, and these numbers are staggering because I can get into to more of the numbers, but this is what really caught my eye. Why would this be a big deal for an employer? Now, remember, this is not all about menopause. This is just what I have heard as the number one issue from a number of women. But in this survey uh, by Parsley Health, they discovered that 47% of women said that their health issues had impacted their productivity. Think about that. 47% say, I'm not as productive. It's had some impact, my health issues, that I'm not getting addressed or having have had an impact on my productivity in the last 60 days. And 43% said that they had missed one or more days of work because of those same health issues. That's a staggering number. That's a staggering number of, of women in the workforce that are not getting access to the care that they need because it's not being put out there. It's not easily accessible. It's, it's not whatever that is. And, and I think that what you're saying here, Tim, what you're talking about as a big brand ambassador here, David, is that there is an answer. It just may not be offered by their employer. Correct. And I would even ask what, in what you're reading, what are the reasons why they don't feel it's accessible? What, is, what, are, what are the obstacles to access? So 80% of the women, and this is kind of crazy, 80% said they waited to go to the, the physician once their condition had worsened. Okay. They waited. Many of them said they didn't have time. That was the number one reason I didn't have, to, I don't have time. Okay. Sure. The, the number two reason is because of a poor experience with a physician previously. So they were dissuaded because of an experience they had last time, say they saw a physician for the same condition or whatever. Um, and I will tell you that what that typically is from what I've asked is the doctor's not listening to me. The doctor is not listening to what I have to say, don't want to take into consideration how I feel and wants to determine what's going on with me without taking that. Um, the third is the one that I figured would be number one, and that was cost. They didn't know how much it was going to cost or they did know how much it was going to cost and they weren't going to do anything about it. And then the last one, which I think is a huge problem and is an identifier of how people, many people feel, whether you're male or female, 
is why would I go? They're just going to prescribe me another medication. And I'm tired of taking medications. I'm tired of that always being the answer. Here, let's give you another drug. Yeah, that's those. Those are all. They they come from the same root, which is you know we've talked about it already. Is our our insurance system? Uh, insurance companies have have made doctors. Well, they've created it to where they're in the corner, um, essentially uh, relegated to glorified data entry clerks for the billing systems. Now, um, there has to be such churn, and so they're bringing in people and booking and double booking and triple booking, and that's why you're waiting in the waiting room for an hour, two hours, and you have to look. What's my return on investment? I've got to leave work for three hours to sit in a waiting room most of the time to see a doctor for seven to eight minutes, where he's not going to have really the time because he only has seven or eight minutes to listen to me and talk about what's going on. So he's going to say what's wrong, what's happening, find the diagnosis code, and then come up with the CPT code that corresponds with it so that they can get paid. And that usually will come with a prescription for medication. Mm -hmm. That's American healthcare system in a nutshell. And that's what we're trying to change. And I'll let Tim address the fact that, you know, Lasso is that departure from that because it establishes a, a, a relationship with someone who uh, can be there uh, for them when they need it. And it can be done because it's remote, you can set up a time on your lunch break during your break, and it's all included in the membership that you're paying once a month. That's right. No, I appreciate that, David. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, uh, I, I think I think a couple things there to unpack. But number one is we have to make seeing a doctor as easy as pushing a button, period. I mean, there has to be zero barriers. It's always been Lasso's mission. And we we by, by doing the model that we've done, it wasn't a gimmick, the streaming healthcare, the Netflix, it wasn't a gimmick. We really wanted people to know, they just don't believe us, that if they hit that button, that they're not going to get another bill. They don't have to pay for, you know, they don't have to pay for that visit. You know, they can call anytime. Um, first of all, that's the number one thing, because when I see you know, Amazon with one medical and stuff like that. I don't care what color you paint the building, how nice you make the logo. You're still asking somebody to step into a doctor's office, which most people are fundamentally opposed to doing. They'll find every reason not to do it. Right. So <clears throat> that's a big part of changing healthcare is there, but David's right. And, and I'll take it a step further with Lasso is this is that we seek out, you know, Walmart's a great partner to us, but we have so many other partners that we're working with and bringing on um, you know, uh, Harlan, that address some of these more specific issues <clears throat> in innovative ways. Um, uh, you know, because this menopause thing, I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to guess anybody. I'm kind of going through that right now. Not me personally, but I'm going through it at <laughs> home. And like you said, Harlan, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you know, sometimes the family doesn't understand it. And it's true. It was kind of like going through puberty with my daughter, man. I, it was a foreign world to me, right? Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's, but that could quickly, what I see like happening in my own home is how quickly that can lead to depression if it's not treated or, or worse. I mean, just because it's a, this, this, this ugly feeling inside and the helplessness and everything else. And, you know, for things like that, you know, we hope to bring on with Lasso partner with innovative providers and I would not be shocked that within a year you see a innovative menopause startup, believe it or not, that that is on Lasso that deals just with that. And it lets those it lets those women know that I'm not just going to this doctor 
where there's going to be an MA in the corner, punching on an iPad, racking up my bill, because that's how the patient sees it. I'm going to talk to somebody exactly about this. And my cost is either known or it's part of my membership. And where I see menopause treatment is not a, a woman that's halfway into it, trying to finally go see a doctor. I see it as catching it at the front end and treating it with supplements and everything else versus being on medications. And I think in all, all uh, parts of healthcare, we've got to move to that. But the only way you do it is you make it with upfront pricing and you make it transparent and you create a one-to-one -one relationship that David's talking about. It's always been the goal of Lasso. That right there is that we get the person to go to the doctor and we give the doctor the freedom to set their own price so they know what their time is worth. And then they decide how long they want to stay. But you were right. Uh, the one thing I'll say about all the providers on Lasso is that they want to practice medicine. They want to do what they went to medical school to do. You know, I think I think they're far beyond the illusion with the internet and how much information is out there that this is some giant money-making thing. Maybe it is down the road, but if you're going into medical school and racking up debt right now, that's that's probably driven by a big love uh, of wanting to serve. And, you know, the system constrains them. I like what David said about it, puts them in a corner as glorified note-takers. I want to say, Harlan, to your point about that menopause piece, uh, when we were doing our things where we go out and sit in apartments and talk to people coming in just about their health care, we just want to know, we want to learn. I had a 19-year-old girl talked about the last time that we that she went to the doctor. She said, God, I was terrified to start with. <clears throat> she said, I went in there. She pulled me in the room. There's a girl in the corner on an iPad. And she starts listing all these things. She said, I walked out of there 20 minutes later. I had all these prescriptions in my hand. I didn't pay anything. But then a month later, I get a bill and it's got like 40 things on it. You know, and I and what she said next, she goes, I'll never go to the doctor again. That encapsulates our problem in this country right there is what she said. And it goes exactly what you're saying. And when we get into like, you know, like you said, pre-authorizations and stuff, all we're really doing is keeping people from care. And we're creating a situation where, I mean, what is it? We spend twice as much as the the average industrialized nation and we're like, 46 in life expectancy now. That's yeah. what we're getting. We're one fifth yeah. of our GDP. That's what we're getting. Right. We spend the most and get the least if you want to get right down to it. I mean, the the value in our healthcare system is certainly not there whatsoever. But I think that is that's a very interesting story you had on the 19-year-old because I feel like whenever a, a kid, especially, you know, if they were raised and they they saw the in many cases, they see the same doctor, right? That pediatrician is who they see for forever. And then all of a sudden, they get to go see a big boy or big girl doctor, and it's a different experience, right? It's a totally different experience. Pediatricians don't seem to have fallen into the same trap as many big boy, big girl doctors have where they're just referring you somewhere else. The pediatrician is still providing holistic medicine in most cases, and they never referred, unless there was a pretty serious situation, they never referred that child at. They always got that care. And that's quite a slap in the face to someone whenever they go for their first big adult doctor visit. And, and I think that's, it's very easy to say, I'm done. I, I mean, 
can, can I please go back and see my pediatrician again? I, I want I want that kind of experience, not whatever this was that just happened, uh, because we don't see that. Now, take that in a different direction. And my daughter went from seeing a pediatrician directly into a direct primary care setting. Different. And so what she saw instead was, oh, wow. I mean, I never even got to talk this much to somebody whenever I was seeing my old <laughs> pediatrician. This was awesome because our very first visit was 45 minutes long. They talked about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's it's it's so interesting what that dynamic can look like for my, my daughter going, yeah, I have no problem talking to them to someone saying I'm never going again. Yeah. And now the, important to say too, Harlan, for the listeners, you know, people listening to this. The doctor in that situation is also the victim that may one day throw yes. her hand up and say, I've had enough of this. Absolutely. Because what people don't know is that the reason that they're racking up 40 charges is because they're only going to get half or less of what they're asking for. And whether that's right or wrong, it's the reality of things out there, balance billing and all this other such. And then ultimately, a lot of people don't know that, you know, a, a year or two later, Medicare, Medicaid, commercial, they can come back in and, and take that money right back out of the account yes. on a billing error. Recoupment, right? That's right. Clawbacks. Yeah. People don't know what clawback it, means, it, but it's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> I think if people knew what doctors had to put up with in the system. It almost like if the two sides understood each other with nothing in the middle, this would get fixed like that. Wow. <laughs> You're talking about a patient-doctor relationship where there's mutual respect for one another and you're able to take care of each other's needs and help one another through life? What a crazy concept, Tim. I think David's <laughs> been seeing it the whole call, right? So, <laughs> Hey, I want to point something out to you because during COVID, a lot of folks had their first experience in telemedicine, whether that's truly was on the phone or it was virtual or whatever. But I think most people's experience with telemedicine is the old roll of the dice or the spin of the wheel. You don't know who you're going to get, right? You call in, you know who you're going to get. Uh, I called in this time to see if I had COVID. I called in the next time because I had poison ivy. I called in the next time because of whatever. Well, that's not what we're talking about here from, I mean, you can certainly access that through the Lasso app, but when we're talking about VDPC, which is virtual direct primary care, that means yeah. you get to choose your doctor just like you would if it was an in-person doctor and you get to see the same doctor right, over right. and over. And there is the chance to build a relationship. So I want to get that out there and make that clear, David and Tim, because a lot of people have a little bit of trouble getting yeah. that concept like well no there's no way once again it's too good to be true right there's no way i'm going to see the same doctor it's just whoever is happens to be on uh on duty right then that is just not the case you're truly setting an appointment you're having a relationship with that doctor yes it's virtual but they can order labs they can you know they can prescribe whenever it's appropriate they can get they can give you a referral if you need to see somebody else uh, they, they can do all of those things. They'll yeah. also partner with a local doctor if that's the appropriate thing and move information back and forth so that you're not lost in the system, which is what happens so many times. And why some people don't like telemedicine is I never, my doctor never even knew that happened. They didn't get anything. I requested it, whatever. This yeah. is not that. No. Yeah, during, during COVID, there were a lot of, a lot of shysters. 
uh, yes, legitimate and non-legitimate. Uh, so you had uh, your your uh, doctor that worked at the hospital that you know they would make a phone call and lay, they left the voicemail, but they charged for a visit. Um, there were some folks that were sending text messages uh, saying uh, we've sent a prescription to your your pharmacy. Well, he, we didn't, I never talked to anybody, but they're just <laughs> they're they're pushing drugs. Um, you would see because uh, insurance was used, it was billed at a high rate of, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars in some cases. Mm -hmm. None of that is what we're talking about today. Uh, this is uh, the the therapy, the virtual primary care, the teleurgent care. It's all one price. There's this, there's no use of insurance. There's nothing beyond the monthly subscription rate, which anywhere between 20 and $25, depending on if it's through your employer or individually. Yep. So yeah, that's really all it is. 20 or $25 for yep. all that access and all that uh, medical professional uh, expertise at your fingertips, literally. Yeah. And that's, it's great, David. Thank you for reiterating that. And Harlan, you pointed out a great thing with our primary care and our, our behavioral health. You can see the same provider every time. And I think people don't, I think that's a hesitation. They don't want to tell their story right. all over again. Right. That's a key. Um, you know, but I will say this, um, there, there's something to be talked about right there too, because I've used our urgent care and I, I have a family doctor, but I've used our urgent care. You know, one time I used it in between meetings, right. And, it, um, you know, I got, a, I was done my entire healthcare experience took 10 minutes out of my day. Um, you know, and, and with our, with our, our primary care option where, where we're really pushing that, where we're seeing adoption, and we're running a couple of pilots with big companies right now, is for their rural folks. You know, in Texas, maybe your Hondos, your Lytles, you know, there's less and less family doctors in those neighborhoods. Um, <clears throat> so having access anytime you need it without without fearing a bill or anything else, you know, and 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 because of the lack of access in rural areas you know, that they, they tend to be the unhealthier populations. You know, we really do hope it solves that with your ability to choose a provider. And if that provider does well for you, you can keep booking with that provider over and over again. But, you know, we, we can get a whole family into this program with the economics of this model. You know, we can get a whole family into this program for less than 40 bucks a month. And that's up to 10 people. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not a sales pitch as much as it is to say, that the economics thus far are affording us the ability to offer things like that. And quite honestly, as with the day Lasso was dreamt up, you know, we just want people to go to the doctor. That's it. Because going to the doctor, not hesitating to push that button, like David said at your fingertips, you know, that, that urgent care call that I did with, uh, with, with Walmart health through the Lasso app, <clears throat> It's, it kept me kept bronchitis from becoming pneumonia because we're all hard charging people, you know, and we do we do what everybody in America does. We let it go until we need a ventilator. Uh, but quite honestly, pushing that button and and that really, you know, again, yeah, he ended up prescribing me some drugs over to the drugstore. I picked him up at the end of the day, but saved me. And I, I've got somebody that works with us here. She did the same thing. And Hey, listen, you talk about people's only experience being COVID. Just about anything you can think of, telehealth is a good starting point. She she had a rash 
And the, the guy had her send a picture of it, the doctor, she sent a picture of it. And he told her that's, that's shingles. You need to, you know, you need to go pick up this medication this afternoon. He probably saved her a couple of weeks of misery. You know, you talk about things like shingles. That early intervention is always going to be the key. We talk about it, preventative, maintenance, you know, all those things. That's what we're all really trying to solve here because 90% of healthcare doesn't need to be inside this insurance model. Lasso is trying to take it out of the insurance model and, and move it into a retail environment. Why do we want to do that? Because we want people to go to the doctor with the same ease and frequency and, and, you know, without, without a care in the world, the way that they do every other thing in their life. Because right now, I always joke around, right now there's a bunch of people sitting around a table at lunch uh, that have health conditions going on right now. And, uh, but that's just the way our, our, our system makes us prioritize things. And so we want to change. Harlan, you, you, you mentioned, you know, when I asked you what the why was, people didn't feel like they had access. It was, they didn't have time. They didn't have a good experience and it was too expensive. Those are three things that are taken away when you think about healthcare a little differently. Yeah, a- absolutely. You're, you're hundred percent right. And, and Tim, David, I don't want to short sell the urgent care side of that benefit. What I really wanted to point out was that if that's been your only experience with any type of telemedicine, that it's not the same thing. You can see the same doctor. And that is the difference. The price point, a lot, many people are paying that same price without having that benefit. Then you add on the, so they're paying that just for the, uh, uh, access to an urgent care uh, via telemedicine, much less having the same virtual DPC doctor and the behavioral health that you can get through the Lasso app. And all I was, it's truly a value thing. And, you know, one of the things I want to go back to also was one of the, the, that study on women's access to healthcare. I wanted to point out that you can see the same doctor because that was vitally important to 49% of those women. 49% say they want comprehensive support. They're tired of being referred to multiple doctors for something that one doctor should be able to take care of. And Tim, you just pointed that out. About 90% of your healthcare can be taken care of by that one primary care doctor. And even in a virtual setting such as this, it still is possible to make that happen. It's hard to fathom, but if you really think about what happens in person with your doctor, you realize how true that statement is. Yeah. Well, and and let me share with you my my perspective on why there's so much of these referrals. Eight, I think 70% of physicians now are employed by a hospital or insurance company or a private yep. equity group. Yep. Um, it, it is much more lucrative to say, okay, you have a, uh, you have your hand hurts. Uh, I'm going to refer you for some imaging and to the hand surgeon. At, rather than say, you know, what are you doing? You know, what, what repetitive things are you doing? Do you need a physical therapy? Uh, or here's a cast that you can get for 20 bucks on Amazon. It, it's it's um, it's just much more lucrative to continue to generate these internal referral patterns so that you can uh, you know create this revenue stream that's as, as big as possible from both the patient, the employer, the insurance company, whatever the case may be. Ultimately, 
that money is 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 the the employees, the patients, because uh, it would have been given to them otherwise. Right. And unfortunately, people are now conditioned to accept this is just the way it is. And this is also, what, of course, one of the barriers is why people don't go and why 61% of folks never go to the doctor now unless they're sick. They're just not going to go. 61% never go unless they're sick, which means they're not even going for their preventative care. They're not even going to have checkups done the way that they should because it's it's such a hassle. Right. It's, uh, you know, once again, I'm going to wait four months to go see a doctor I'm going to sit in the waiting room for an hour and a half, two hours. I'm finally going to get in the room. I'm going to talk to the nurse for four or five minutes. The doctor's going to come in and do a flyby, and I'm out. And heaven forbid I mention anything about anything else except for whatever the preventative visit is, because Lord knows they're going to try to hit me up for my copay when I walk out. Or if you're like a third of Americans at work uh, that have insurance through work, you have an HSA, and now you're paying for the whole daggum visit. Yeah. You're paying for yeah. everything that happened there. They'll be happy to send you a bill. You don't even know what happened. You thought, oh, I, I thought this was zero cost. Why did I get a bill for $272? Yeah, you have to ex exercise a great deal of discipline when you're going yeah. in for a preventative service. Because anything that you say that might be a diagnosis, boom, it's no longer preventative and it's no longer free to you. Right. Yeah. Anything you say can and will be held against you. <laughs> in the bill, in the charge master's office. Yep. Oh man. Yeah, that's a good one. But that's true though. And then again, that, that's why I mentioned the kind of our tailored services that we're trying to bring in, you know, national level providers, because we also want, you know, you brought up the thing about menopause. We want people to know that that the you know, when, when they're accessing that service, that's very specific to that one condition, that that's all that's going to happen there. And I, I think what you said is very pertinent and really never thought about it that way that, you know, people are afraid to mention anything. Cause then what does that turn into, you know, what drugs are they going to put me on? What, you know, God, we really just created a situation that, you know, is, we, we, no one should ever be surprised in the most advanced nation in the world. <clears throat> why we're so sick no, when you really break this stuff down nobody should be surprised that we're sick or or broke for that matter you know it's um yeah it's a shame because it's all upside down the incentives everything is upside down in this thing yeah absolutely well gentlemen i really appreciate y'all being with me today and sharing uh, information about the lasso app and just having a great conversation about what's going on david i do agree with you we cannot fix this because the fix is already in. And therefore, since the fix is in, we can't fix something that is already <clears throat> fixed. We have to create a parallel system to give access to the people who actually want it and are ready to make that move because not everyone's ready. And if you're not, keep on going down that pathway. I feel bad for you, but one day you'll wake up and realize you need to make that move. Uh, so I applaud you guys for being part of the solution and not being part of the problem. I look forward to working with you both in the future. And I've got some great ideas I want to run by both of you to maybe do some collaboration between Eagle Care and Lasso as well. So any closing remarks uh, from you, David? The fix is, is us. We need to be a part of the solution and not continue to look for other people to fix it. Uh, so finding solutions like this one or, or many others that are starting to crop up is ultimately our responsibility. Uh, bring them to your employers, encourage your, your, your companies and your employers 
to to be brave. Uh, but it, nobody is going to be the white knight riding in on a white horse. Um, you know, that's that's stuff of sixties and seventies sitcoms. That's a, that's not the thing. <laughs> uh, so we need to be our own hero and and do uh, and do what's best for ourselves and our families. Yeah, absolutely, Tim. Uh, just no, thank you, Harlan, for for your part in this because quite honestly, you're the one that goes through all this trouble you did today to to have folks like David and I on. To, but again, we're we're all out in these little silos trying to trying to make a difference, trying to patch this together and create that alternate system. But it all goes, you know. I think we're all very aligned on mission, uh, and so. But you're the one that's bringing the voice to it and trying to help people make that break. Uh, so, you know, we always, uh, Lasso, we always talk about the matrix, you know, the old movie, old now, right? But about what you just said, you know, we, we, want, we want to show people that that's not real, that there is another way. And, and like I said, too, some people aren't ready for that, but we're going to keep pushing. So I appreciate you and your time and giving us a platform to talk about change. So, yeah. Absolutely. Once again, appreciate you guys being on. Hey, folks, don't forget, we have on the 31st of October, the big audio room on LinkedIn, just like we do the last Tuesday of every single month. Why does healthcare suck? This time in celebration of Halloween, we're going to do healthcare horror stories. Da -da -da! A little snippet. Here's one for you that turned out not to be a horror story. My mom had brain surgery last week. We get in the room getting ready to go. She looks down and they put somebody else's wristband on her. What could have happened? We'll never know. Thank goodness we recognize that her last name was not Martinez. We have no idea what would have happened to Mrs. Martinez if she had mom's wristband. She might have had her some brain surgery when all she needed was maybe a knee replacement. Anyway, that was uh, just a little snippet of things that you can look forward to hearing. But we're not just going to talk about horror stories. We're going to talk about some of the solutions to make sure that you don't fall victim to some of the things that can happen out there. So you guys make sure and join us on October 31st, Healthcare Horror Stories, 11 a.m., right there live on LinkedIn. Thank you very much, and y'all have a blessed day.